The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Sports Podcast, where we talk history of the game numbers and stats. And each week we highlight a charity that's doing good. If you haven't subscribed yet, then you should. Because I'm this, 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 the, the real deal. And you know I got a shout out to Buffalo Bills. Turn it up to the max. Sit back and relax. This the Buffalo Nerd Sports Podcast. Let go. Hey, what is up, Bills Mafia? Welcome into this episode of the Buffalo Nerd, your home for Buffalo Bills football with a charity on top. Brought to you by SB Nation on the Buffalo Rumblings Podcast Network and is being served up to you live by Picasso's Pizza on the Buffalo Rumblings Vidcast Network. Treat yourself to the most flavorful pizza on game day. Picasso's, we are Buffalo Pizza. Shipping local and nationwide. Order online at picassospizza.net. I'm your host, Colt Schroeder. If this is your first time checking out the show, thank you very much. If you're already part of the Nerd Mafia, welcome home. As you can see, I am joined, if you're watching, you can see I'm joined by a guest this week. You may know him as a high school champion football player. You may know him as a (laughs) podcaster. You may know him as a long-form writer that runs golongtd.com. Or you may now know him as the best-selling author, Tyler Dune. How are you doing, sir? What's up, Colt? How you been, man? Great to be back with you. And I love how you started with with the high school football days. So clearly we have some Section 6 Class D you know, alum here to join us. Maybe, maybe from rival Randolph, maybe Maple Grove. Might things might have to get physical. I, we'll we'll see what happens. 
I love it. Yeah, I, I like throwing that stuff in. I remember chatting with you because those folks that don't know about GoLongTD.com, if you sign up for that, you do get some extra cool, fun things that you get to do where you get to go and hang out and do some Friday hangouts and stuff, some live things. And you hear some cool, interesting little facts like that about said Amazon bestselling writer, Tyler Dune. So how's it feel <laughs> when people say that now? Man, it was uh, it, it was a year. I'll, t- I'll tell you that. Like taking out a book project was uh, unlike any experience, really. I mean, I've been writing features and profiles for a long time. That that's really why I launched Go Long to just zero in on that. Cover football through a long form lens, c- kind of zag away from a lot of the stuff that's out there. Um, but you know, a, a book even as a collection of exactly that. It's um, it's an experience. You know, I, I really wanted to just go balls to the wall in every possible way, travel around the country, hang out with Mike Dicka, be, be right at the bar with Jeremy Shockey, with Tony Gonzalez, Ben Coates, talk to Kittle, Gronk, Ozzie Newsome. I just felt like to do this right and tell the story of pro football in the best possible way through this, this glorious position. Uh, you you got to be there if you care. Right. So um, it was uh, a labor of love, a passion project, whatever you want to call it, man. It was um, just an unbelievable experience that I'll never forget. Yeah. I mean, you can see, I have it behind me there. Uh, it's dense. It, it, it takes a read, right? It, it's like 325, 350 pages or something like that. You know, there's 15 chapters or so. And I mean, I, I subscribe to what you do. So I like reading the longer form stuff. I read your stuff all the time. So I love it. It's, but it's, it's a dense book. You got to be ready to sit down and learn. Um, and there's some cool stuff in there, but before we get too deep into the book and, and highlight what's coming up this week, I do want to highlight the charity that you chose this week, which uh, is going to tie us into the book a little bit, right? But why don't you go ahead and let everybody know why you chose the ironmanfoundation.org to highlight this week specifically project 44. No doubt and thanks for the opportunity. You you know one of the conversations that probably stuck with me the most, maybe number 1 at the list is Dallas Clark. And it, it's incredible what he's been through. I'm, I'm sure we'll get into a cult, but um his life everything from Losing his mother, Jan, in his arms uh, when he's a, a high school senior, I mean, that really kind of set the tone for for Dallas Clark's life. It could have gone one direction or the other. He gets to Iowa. He redefines the tight end position as basically being more Rudy than Rudy himself. It's insane what Dallas Clark went through from the depths of the linebacker depth chart and mowing the field at Kinnick Stadium and selling the campus newspaper and – I mean, going through the ads in that newspaper, saying, oh, a psychology student needs to test somebody to see why people like red M&Ms. I'll, I'll take that 50 bucks, whatever it is, to get the free cleanings from the dentist students. Um, it, it's I mean, he almost blew his appendix once. And finally, it took Kirk Ferentz realizing, wow, this insane athlete at linebacker who stinks as a linebacker, let's put him at tight end and see what happens. And all those unbelievable traits deep within that, that indomitable drive, it just fit best at tight end. So, um, you know, the rest, right? Iowa lights it up. He changes the Indianapolis Colts' offense with, with Peyton Manning, takes a very good offense and, and makes it elite historic. And as I was talking to Dallas Clark, it got to a point where we're just talking about life and whatnot. And he's like, yeah, I kind of went through a midlife crisis. And, you know, I just wanted to give back somehow. And I just kind of found out that, you know, you can raise a lot of money by competing in the Ironman competition. And figured, hey, let's back to the Children's Hospital in Iowa City. Let's try to raise one million dollars for them, and and why not? Let's let's 
try to raise $1 million for Peyton, the, the, the children's hospital that bears Peyton Manning's name. Him and Peyton Manning are still very, very close. So uh, he decided to just train for an Ironman, right? It's a little bit of everything, throw himself into it, kind of bring it back to Iowa in, in a sense for, for what it was like to just scratch and claw and, and be anything on a football field. Um, and as people can kind of research, I mean, he competed in the Ironman. He's, I think he's already up to like a quarter million. So he is yeah, well on like his that. way of getting there. But this, if you're going to donate anything to any charity in the world, why, why not right, a, a children's hospital through somebody like Dallas Clark, who just has a heart of gold? Yeah, it's a very cool organization. I went and checked it out. Obviously, if you're watching this or you're listening, it's in the notes down below the link that'll take you directly to the Project 44 page on Iron Man Foundation. Um, but very cool organization. If you see his picture on there, he's super lean, right? It, it doesn't even look like he played tight end, yeah. right? It, it, it's crazy looking when you look at that photo. It's like, holy crap, that dude really slimmed down. Right? It's, it's pretty wild. Well, you know, what? he about. says his uh, his metabolism is insane, by the way, that at night, Dallas Clark will just pound like a whole carton of ice cream and mm. like he'll just burn it right off instantly. It, it's been like that his whole life. So he does train, trade his ass off. No doubt about it. Like he is. Right, right. He's an insane person in the weight room. But there's uh, there's something else there at play, I think. Yeah, no, I mean, it's when you when I first saw it, I was like, holy crap, you know, because you a lot of time you see a lot of these guys, they they swell up. Right. Or they, they some of them do keep it all right. But a lot of ex NFL guys tend to get a little swole. Right. So it's uh, it was cool just yeah. to kind of see. But very cool organization. There's a bunch of different things you could find out over there, even if you want to be part of it. So head over to IronManFoundation.org and take a look uh, and check that out. Also, so everything that Tyler does is down below you in the links if you don't know where to find them already. But, you know. The GoLongTD.com thing, I think that's pretty incredible. Um, you know, if you guys haven't checked that out, you really should. There's some swag that's available, you know, some things like that, you know, so stuff like that. So make sure you're checking out everything he's up to. But this book, when, like when I started going through it, you know, it, it starts kind of in the in the olden days, you know, and, and we work towards the modern tight end. But it almost felt like reading the beginning of it, that like it was shocking you found this many tight ends to talk to because it, it seemed like when they played in the NFL back in the day, they were lucky to come out of the game alive. Right. It, it, it kind of <laughs> tells like a lot of like in-depth stories about just how in, intense it truly is to play in the NFL. It, it, it really is. And you know what? I can kind of get both arguments for which era, if we're going to talk, you know, old timers versus modern day, you know, just to kind of simplify it. I get both arguments on which era is the tougher to play in because today, yes, you do have, I mean, the biggest, fastest, strongest dudes on the planet. I mean, these, if you see a game live, especially from the sideline, it will blow your mind. The angles at which these, you know, 250 pound, 7% body fat, four, four speed benching 30 reps at 225 athletes, hit each other. It's scary. Um, but you know, those, those, those specimens didn't exist in the sixties in the age of Dicka, Mackie, Jackie Smith, but the rule book was also like as thin as a brochure. It was <laughs> anything, anything could go. Um, I love telling those war stories. I mean, from, yeah. you know, Mike Dicka reliving the, the rivalry with Ray Nitschke, you know, getting clotheslined across the middle of the field to, to Jackie Smith. I mean, he's, you know, he's really a track guy on the football field, you know, beating people with his legs. And and he extended that tight end position in the passing game more than anybody knows. Uh, but he was a tough SOB, too. I mean, he would stick up for his teammates by running directly on the field in street clothes when he's injured to 
try to get revenge for taking a cheap shot at Terry Metcalf. So it was just a lawless time. I mean, even in Ozzie Newsome, we don't think of him as a physical presence. He didn't really, he he wasn't much of a blocker, but for him to put up the numbers he did and revolutionize the tight end position through the seventies and the eighties against, you know, the, the Donnie shell and and Mike Wagner's of the world where, yeah, you're going to get concussed and (laughs) nobody even really knows what a concussion is at that time. Um, that you you could say that's the toughest era. I, I get that argument. So yeah, I, I'm not sure which is which, but George Kittle really got me thinking about that. Like Kittle kind of pushed back on that narrative of you know this being a softer era of football. When I mean, just just look at the people playing the sport now versus that in that lawless era. You know, some of these guys trying to tackle Mike Dick look look like they might be shoemakers. You know, Monday through Friday <laughs> they're doing something else. Yeah, no, it, it's it's wild when you read about it. And if and I mean, if if you love the game of football, I, I think even somebody like, you know, I'm in my 40s here now. But even going back and reading some of it and just thinking the position really came from just starting like the first big move at the position was lining the end, not even the tight end. Right. Lining the end up three yards off the off the line. Right. Like that was the big, <laughs> huge move. Right. Like it's so crazy to think about that when you go back and you look at it like that was the big move, because now these guys are running everywhere as they line up everywhere as they they can be a running back, a wide receiver. They can be, they can be at all. Right. Um, but in, in to Kittle's point a little bit, like when you read the kit, the, the Winslow pieces, so he's getting carried off the field basically like in between yeah. things. Right. So it's, it's hard to not think that those guys had it a little bit harder, even though these dudes can run faster, they can bench more, they're hitting harder, they're protected better. Uh, but it, it was very cool to see, but I I've gotten to hang out with you outside of this a little bit and hear kind of why this all came about, but like, out of your, your whole trip here, I kind of just want to know, like, what was your favorite interview to do? You know, it is so hard to narrow it down. I mean, every single conversation visit just kind of blew my mind in a different way. Um, I mean, I mean, gosh, Jackie Smith and just seeing how, you know, one blip, one moment in time, one Super Bowl drop just affected his happiness in life for decades. It's, it's chilling, it's gripping, and it, you just feel for them. Um, that, that's right up there. Ben Coates, that 90s nostalgia. I think everybody in the old AFC East remembers Ben Coates just kind of stampeding through defenses and to see the effects of all of that up close. Um, he's hurting today, he's, but he'll, he'll still throw that dip in the mouth and you know not regret one thing. He loved it. You know what I'll go with right now, though? It, 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 as amazing as Dicka was, and Shockey, there's a reason he's on the cover of this book because the stories around Jeremy Shockey just are incredible. The the, the bar fights um, at the U, just being in the middle of all those scrums that turned into all out brawls and throwing punches with Ed Reed. He he really brought the swagger back to the U after they lost it for a good six seven years. Jeremy Shockey brought it back. Let's go with Tony Gonzalez because I think going into the conversation with Tony Gonzalez, we, we know the numbers. Uh, we know the accolades. We see him on TV a lot. There's been a documentary about football life on Tony Gonzalez. There's been countless stories written on Tony Gonzalez. But, um, you know, I'm thinking, okay, there's got to be something different. There's got to be something fresh. I really want this book to – I didn't want it to just be an anthology of, like, regurgitated information and stories. I wanted to just find fresh stories, fresh information, be at the cutting edge of of why we love football, why football needs to be saved, and why these tight ends are the ones doing it and then showing us a hell of a lot about life and living our own life. And Tony Gonzalez is the one that just made every light bulb go off at once when we hung out because, you know, 
there, there's so much to him that we don't know. I, I, I'm not sure people really know what his upbringing was like when he's getting bullied relentlessly as a young kid. You know, he calls himself a, a pussy. He says, I, I was scared of my own shadow. I'm scared of ghosts. I'm scared of heights. I'm scared of these bullies. I'm not standing up for myself. Um, and it took really standing up for himself to these bullies to just start to turn that corner. You know, at a, his junior high graduation, he finally stands up. And then, you know, it's a hit and drill in high school. He's going against one of his buddies, the hardest hitter on the team. Boom, they lock horns like a couple of Rams. That's another breakthrough. But there were just so many moments where you kind of had to face a fear within that defined Tony Gonzalez to, to college when he's, you know, he's living it up in Berkeley, partying too much, staring off at the airport and the planes going in and out at the top of Berkeley Hills and it hits him like snap out of it. Like quit being afraid of failure. That was another moment, and it it really leads up to like the point of the book, and that's the evolution of this tight end position and how it saves football. Where at, at the turn of the century, it was still kind of old school NFL. This was still a league that you know with with systems on offense, systems on defense. If you're a player, you fit into what the coaches want you to do. Tony Gonzalez is just this this you know six five undersized, severely undersized power forward in basketball, you know, learning how to time up his rebounds and learning how to time up his jump shot against the Edo Bannons and Tim Thomases and, and having success, but you know, he wasn't going to be in the NBA because he was just too small. Well, you drop him onto a football field, look the hell out because he's just physically dominant against anybody you try to guard him with. And yet the NFL didn't really see that, you know, his first offensive coordinator, Jimmy Ray did, he moved Tony Gonzalez all over and got him the ball a lot, but it kind of shocked me to hear how he put up all these numbers in Kansas City kind of in spite of how he was used after that, where Dick Vermeil and Trent Green come in, the greatest show on turf. Day one, Trent Green's just honest with Tony and says, look, you're not going to be putting up a lot of numbers in this offense. I hate to break it to you, Tony, but it's a wide receiver friendly offense. Well, hello, Kansas City, Dick Vermeil and Trent Green. <laughs> Eddie Kennison and Johnny Borden aren't Isaac Bruce and Tory Holt. <laughs> so, right. you know, he put up good numbers, but it could have been historically amazing. And then, of course, they all leave and he's, you know, catching passes from Brody Croyle, Tyler Thigpen, Damon Heward. Um, <laughs> and I really think the climax of the book is when he does get traded to Atlanta, he's still at the peak of his powers. He, he still has a lot of game left because he takes so insanely good care of his body um the showdown with the name many people of this podcast will be familiar with mike mike malarkey so mm. mike malarkey is as old school as it gets a tight end is in line i talked to malarkey too we get both sides and tony gonzalez is new school i mean th this is where the game's going right. you you need you need to evolve and his comparison is you know the nba the seven footers that were posted up on the block in the 90s you know, backing you down like Patrick Ewing, Hakeem Olajuwon, Shaquille O'Neal, Lonzo Mourning. They gave wave to the, the seven footers like Kevin Durant who are hoisting three pointers. And he was really that force in football, forcing the NFL's hand. This is what you need to find. You need mm -hmm. to find an athletic freak who busts games open from this position. And it, it, it led to an all time clash with Malarkey. I mean, there was a, an arranged marriage that was doomed. Malarkey didn't really want Gonzalez. Gonzalez didn't know why Malarkey wanted to be there when he showed him clips of, of Mark Bruner, you know, busting people <laughs> in line on film. Right. Um, and it all came to a head, you know, at Tampa Bay week 17, 
Tony's on catch number 999 second half. And, and he says Malarkey completely iced him out, refused to call a play for him. Malarkey says he didn't know that he was chasing 1000 uh, <laughs> and inside the locker room after the game. If you're going to take, if you're going to take Malarkey's word for it, um, it, it wasn't, you know, a, a near brawl, near fight, even though Malarkey said he was ready for that situation. If it came to be uh, Tony says he had to, he, he had to be held back. He, he was ready to start throwing punches and on take down the old man. So back to the point, like I just feel like Tony Gonzalez going into that conversation. Like, I didn't know what to expect. I thought that maybe it'd be a lot of, uh, you know, um, pre pre, you know, just regurgitated cliches and stories and things that he has said a million times over. And it wasn't that, I mean, he was engaged. He was all about the book, the project and, and sharing his role in the evolution. Yeah, I mean, it was a big I think that's you started seeing after that, right? Like that the, it changed everything. People started opening up their eyes and being like, oh, you know what? Maybe we should just put these guys where they can be put because uh, they're actually really good and they're an advantage. Oh, imagine that the tall dude that's six foot five going up against a five foot ten cornerback or a linebacker that's just a little slower. Like, yeah. It, and now that's all we see. Right. And now it's yeah. you don't see anything else. There's probably not a tight end in the league that you could straight up just. Like every team, I think every team just says we need a blocking tight end and we need a pass catching tight end, right? There's nobody really anymore that maybe a couple guys that you can have out there all the time that you can truly trust, but it's not what this thing was when the position was first developed for sure. You're absolutely right. I think that right. It was immediately um, after Gonzalez and, and, and kind of, you know, as Gonzalez is doing his thing, really. Antonio Gates gets his shot, even though he didn't right. play it down at Kent State. Um, J- Jimmy Graham is is coveted, not, not just discovered uh, by podcast co-host Jim Onis. He was the New Orleans Saints scout who, who scouted Jimmy Graham, which is wild that, you know, somebody I know is, you know, a part of this evolution too. Um, but he is in, in demand. I mean, here, here's another nugget. As this is going on in 09, yeah, it would have been 09. So right, right when his basketball career wrapped up, Jimmy Graham, and he hasn't made the decision to play football at Miami yet and, and become like that, that grad student that can switch sports. Um, the New England Patriots reached out and actually put Jimmy Graham through a workout uh, down in Florida. Matt Patricia led the workout because they could tell that this, this was a specimen with tight end potential. Right. I mean, he, he was a basketball player at the U just dunking and blocking shots. And, and that was about it. But they, that just speaks to Belichick's genius that he knew that this was somebody worth stashing on the practice squad for a year developing. And he, they gave him that offer according to Jimmy that, Hey, just come, come to new England, hang out with Tom Brady for a year on the practice squad, learn, and we'll use you down the road. And it took Jimmy Graham's knowledge of, you know, just his own athletic capabilities and, and, and really kind of buying into his ability to grow to say, you know what? Thanks, but no, thanks. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to play football, but it's going to be at Miami for a year. The U this tight end factory in itself. Right. And then maybe, maybe I'll be a Patriot down the road and all shucks. The Patriots waited one round right. too late and ended up with Aaron Hernandez. So thought they had everybody fooled. I mean, it worked like for a year or two. Right. You know, so it wasn't that terrible, <laughs> uh, but yeah. Aaron I mean, Hernandez experience. Yeah. It was, yeah. yeah, it was, you know, on the football field, it, was, it seemed the okay. And then everything off the field went south really quickly. But it did. It did. Shocking. Can you imagine Gronk and Jimmy Graham, though? That would have been something, huh? That would have been dynamite, right? Like, I mean, it, you, I don't. 
I don't know. It's tough to say, right? Because then and when he had that whole process going on, he had Randy Moss there at times. You had like, I mean, it would have been just ungodly, probably. I mean, if, imagine if you were trying to cover Graham, Gronk, and Moss all in the same thing, and then Edelman's sprinkled in there running around. They were already good. They didn't yell that anyway. But I want to I want to get hey, your opinion. JP Lossman, probably. They were trying to average. They would have been fine. Yeah, right. They would have been super fine. Thrown to Charles Clay after he was used used up. But I want to get your opinion on some of that. So if you don't have the book already, you better go out and get it because it is a really good read. And if you want to know anything about the position of the tight end and just kind of see its development, you'll start it'll start clicking in your head because you'll start seeing it and you'll start realizing that you watched it take place, right? As you start reading the stories and you start seeing the names again. Because some of these guys, you kind of just like, Kellen Winslow, I kind of forgot about him realistically, right? And then you think back about it and he was so friggin' good. But I know that you also have an intimate knowledge of the Buffalo Bills from, you know, team you got some monos background in there feeding you all the all the way things used to go i've been part of some of those conversations and things uh but you've also spent some time in green bay that's who buffalo gets this week you you were there when they were kind of like really good right or they they had aaron Rodgers in his kind of prime he's doing his thing everything's working fine do you think they stand a chance against buffalo now i'm not sure that's much of a chance honestly I think the Bills are are going to stomp the Packers on Sunday. I think this is a Green Bay team spiraling toward disarray at a at a rapid rate. This is coming from somebody who predicted them to be in the Super Bowl. I, I thought that there was a formula post Devontae Adams for Green Bay that this was a defense just loaded with first round picks. They take two two just absolute mean hard hitting dogs from Georgia. To add to the middle of their defense, Jared Alexander gets gets paid. He's a shutdown corner. Mm-hmm. All you have to do is really incorporate Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon, run the ball, and, and do just enough in the passing game, get just enough in the fourth quarter from Aaron Rodgers. And, hey, guess what? When you get into January, maybe you're not getting pushed around. Maybe you're the team dragging people into the back alley and and, and, and playing violently. But – I, I appear to be very wrong. <laughs> this, well, this, def- I, this defense just is kind of average and they're, they're not yeah. running the ball, whether it's the play calling or Aaron changing stuff at the line of scrimmage. And Aaron Rodgers is a ordinary quarterback. He's right. average. I mean, he can blame everybody else all he wants. Um, there doesn't seem to be much self-accountability there. Not surprising. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I know there's a lot of drops, but he's also the richest player in the sport. Um, $150 million they expect more than losses to Daniel Jones, Zach Wilson, and Taylor Heineke. Yeah. I mean, I think I came into the season thinking green Bay would be fine. I think everybody came into the season thinking this matchup would be a primetime matchup. And now it's just kind of, you might just get to watch Josh Allen kill it again. Right. Like is it kind of what it feels like might have Because if you go and you look at the numbers, though, and you look at green Bay's defense right now, they do have the number one pass defense. Then you go and look at who they played. Besides Kirk Cousins and Tom Brady, they have not faced a legit quarterback. And I wouldn't even call those guys legit at this point. I think they're, you know, kind of a little past the prime from what we've seen so far. So I thought Green Bay's defense would be the key for them like they were last year. But apparently they can't be on the field that much. And now we're seeing them on a field a lot more and they're exposed. And they've got a quarterback who just doesn't seem to care. It's like I I was just like I thought it was the dumbest move. Green Bay got played. Like they got played, I think. And I and I would have yeah. never thought they would get played because they're a very good franchise. They've proven to be very good, but there was clearly no backup plan. 
of what was going to take take place here. And they thought they'd be good without Adams and it's just not there. And now you're coming up against the Buffalo bills today. We're seeing the reports that Lazard's probably going to be out. It, it It's like, what is going to happen to the green Bay Packers? Is it, is it the demise like new England Patriots? The clay, hey, everybody, it, it could be, I mean, it, it could be precipitous. I think financially, whenever Aaron Rodgers does decide to retire, which could be after this season. I mean, they're in salary cap hell. I mean, even right. some of these other contracts they gave to players. I mean, they went all, all in on the now. And this is where me and my buddy Monas, we've disagreed on the podcast. He's like, look, if you've got the quarterback, everybody, if they, if everybody doesn't have an Aaron Rodgers, there's chasing an Aaron Rodgers. Like you go all in, you just push all your chips in and, and go for it. Cause jobs are always on the line. I, and I get that logic, but the, Two years ago, when he's holding the franchise hostage and you know you're dealing with um, a volatile, narcissistic, temperamental quarterback who is an all-time great, I'd never take away from his talent. He's right. unbelievably talented. He's the MVP last year, He's right? winning MVPs, right? <laughs> yeah. He's winning back-to-back MVPs. <laughs> yeah. But but still, like you, you know he's getting up there in age. You know that he's going to want some personnel power. There's going to be some unhappiness that you're going to have to deal with. There's a lot of that other stuff, you know, immunized and, you know, while trying to make everybody seem like he's vaccinated, I don't care if he is or not, but he he was lying about it. Um, You're going to be dealing with a lot of that other stuff sprinkled in, but outside of Tom Brady, what quarterbacks play well beyond 38, 39? Like it just, you you're it's father time is undefeated. You're going to lose some on your fastball. You're going to lose some athleticism. And that's what we see out of Aaron Rodgers. So why not at the peak of his powers, do what Seattle did on, on freaking anabolic steroids. I mean, right. you could have get, you could have got what three, four first round, first round picks, probably three yeah. seconds, a package of players. Hell it, John Gruden probably wanted Rogers so bad. You, you could have brought Derek Carr to green Bay and a few first rounders with them. If you wanted, um, it was such a missed opportunity. It wouldn't have been popular. I get it. Right. There would have been pitchforks outside Lambeau field and, but guess what? Ted Thompson, he had he had the you know what to to, to move on from right. Brett Favre. I mean, I was interning out there. Fans were pissed. I mean, at at the stockholder meeting, I mean, they're coming up to Ted Thompson with petitions telling him to bring Brett Favre back. So uh, Brian Gould against Matt Lafleur, Mark Murphy, Al, Green Bay. They they kind of deserve this all right now because hey, you went all in on Aaron Rodgers. So at this point, their best chance is being saved by Aaron Rodgers. Who knows? Maybe maybe he finds, you know, the fountain of youth out of out of thin air and pulls right. a 2016 and has an epic run. You never you never know. I just I don't I don't see it without the receivers. Yeah. The pitchforks are going to be out soon. Anyways, if you go on a four or five game losing streak here and you're completely getting destroyed by D- exactly. Detroit Lions, you're falling into that realm. We're gonna, you're going to have major problems in Green Bay. Do you feel like they're wasting LaFour here or do you think that this is going to be just a he's going to get caught up in this and he, he's never going to be able to recover as a head coach from this? Because, I mean, it, obviously it looks good what he's doing when he's, he's this, this young guy coming in, right? If things are going well, but he does have Aaron Rodgers winning MVPs. So can he do it without Aaron Rodgers? Can he be that guy, right? So I, I feel like you might be wasting a great talent at coach and you may never actually see it until he's an offensive coordinator at somebody else's building after you let him go. Uh, but what, what do you think? Are they wasting him? They might be. I don't know if we know much about Matt LaFleur, which is crazy. He's been there a long time. I mean, he's a good coach. He's won a lot of games. You don't win that many games as a bad coach. I think 
I think we all can kind of assume safely that Aaron Rodgers is still kind of doing his thing at the line of scrimmage often for better. He did with Mike McCarthy and he's got autonomy and this offense and he has a say not only in the game plan, but in, in personnel, uh, they, they traded for his, his buddy Randall Cobb at, mm-hmm. you know, as he's kind of breaking down. So uh, it, it's Aaron Rodgers. So, and, and that's where it gets in, right? I mean, in theory, yep. he, Matt LaFleur could, you know, put his foot down and say, I'm, I'm the head coach. I run this team. Um, here's what we're going to do. We're going to get Aaron Jones the ball 25 times a game. I don't care how we're getting him the ball. Right. Um, but does he does he have the power to say that to take charge? I mean, at his press conference this week after Aaron Rodgers was um, kind of pointing the finger at everybody else, you know, he quickly defended the quarterback and said, "Hey, it's it's kind of like when you get after your kids." I'm paraphrasing, and you know, right, you're right. gonna get after your kids. So, well, if I'm a grown if I'm a grown ass man in that locker room, I don't know if I like being compared to a child by my by my boss. Not sure if I like that right. too much. So um, there's a very interesting power dynamic at play right now. And who's in charge? Who knows? Right. I mean, Gudikins drafted Jordan Love um, once upon a time, but since then has kind of mended everything with Aaron Rodgers. And who who knows what he even really wants long-term. Everybody reports to Mark Murphy, who's the de facto owner. Uh, It's, Kind of comes back to the uh, the quote that nobody was was a fan of out at twelve sixty five and in our Bleacher Report story, right? Mark Murphy telling Aaron, "Don't be the problem." So there it is. That's right? what they don't want. Well, I tell you, Tyler, I appreciate you coming on and hanging out with me. The book is phenomenal. Uh, I this was going to be a little more of a deep dive into the Green Bay Bills when the season started, but now I just don't really think there's much to talk about other than Trey White's not coming <laughs> back this week and the Buffalo Bills. I I, I predicted yesterday and I've put it everywhere. It's pretty much I'm I'm thinking like 34 13 somewhere in that realm, and it might be even north of that for the Bills. Uh, I just I, I'll give Green Bay some points early maybe, uh, but after that I've, I got them shutting them down. But while you're shutting down your evening tonight and enjoying the show here, make sure you guys head over to Go Long TD and Tech com and check out what Tyler's got going on over there. It's a lot of fun. You come hang out on some Fridays and stuff with everybody, talk football and learn some cool stories in the background. Make sure you're checking out the book for sure, because it is a really good read. Not plugging the guy because he's on the show. He's been here before, actually. So uh, before he was an accomplished writer, <laughs> yeah, he was already an accomplished writer. But make sure you got anything else going on, Tyler, you want them to know about? I think everybody knows where you're at. The McKenzie show. You got the, the, the show with Manos. It, what, you got anything else going on you want to shout out before we get you out of here? You, you've blown ample, ample smoke up, 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 you know what cult. So I, I thank you very right. much for serving as my hype man on everything I have going on, but, but yeah, go along to Would love it. If people subscribed, um, you can just hop on the free list and, and give that a whirl and an upgrade anytime to get all the stories and happy hour access and, and all that good stuff. And yeah, the Isaiah McKenzie show, we're going to be up and running again. Gosh, the dates are at the site. They should be at the top of my head. I want to say in two weeks. So very soon we're, we're back at it. And Isaiah never disappoints. He has uh, just stories and laughs and authenticity for days. So uh, that's a lot of fun for the Bills fans out there. It's at Mr's Barn Lanes in East Aurora. If you want to hang out in person, Isaiah hangs after the show, just meets and greets everybody. And I'll definitely have many copies of this to sell in person and sign for you if you'd like to come on out. So thank you very much for everybody who does that. 
Yeah, I mean, it's awesome. You get an opportunity to go out and catch a live show and hang out with Isaiah afterwards. If you're local to the area, make sure you're doing that. If you're not, sign up so you can catch the ones that are live and online when we're doing those because those are fun too. Make sure you're following everything he's up to. Uh, appreciate everybody that's been listening in and following the show. Hope you guys are enjoying it. Make sure you're subscribing. You're following uh, everything Buffalo Rumblings is up to. And of course, go Bills. Make sure you leave a review and subscribe. So you never miss another episode. We'll see you next time. Leg out.